reaching up, reaching over, and reaching out. We are New Life Christian Fellowship. For service times, articles, or recordings of our weekly messages, please visit us online at www.nlcfchurch.org. Johnny, thanks for reading that, and also thank you for praying that. I don't know, you, you read my notes or you read my heart. That's exactly what I want to try to do this morning. Um, so you must be Bill's boy, right? Yeah, I don't know how I figured that out, right? Like, I, you, just, you look just like him, man. It, it's really good to be with you, you folks, this morning. We were running a little bit late, and, and I think Bill was a little worried because Gloria actually texted the wrong Bill Friesen. I, oh, you're the right Bill Friesen now. Okay, good. As long as we get that straight. I, so, the, and the reason that happened is I, she used my phone. And last night, I was texting with the other Bill Friesen because, because he is, he's deeply a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Just deeply. And seeing as I'm a Calgary Flames fan, he's a Toronto, but I, Toronto would be my second favorite team because it was my dad's favorite team. And... So I would be cheering for them, too, because Calgary just didn't. But so anyway, that's why I got the wrong one. But it's so good to be with you here this morning. Anyway, anyway. Um, you, uh, you guys had a, good, had a good run with Kevin and Emily here. Boy, I appreciated those guys like crazy. Uh, did some really, really good work. Uh, loved them like crazy. So we'll see what happens with, with what they're doing in Edmonton, you know. Um, so I don't know if he's cheering for the Oilers or not. That would be a strange thing. Anyway, you know, I was a little distracted as we were singing this morning, just looking around. And maybe I say this every time I come here. Do I say this about your windows? Like this one here, uh, the, the, the second one, it's got a, if you look at it, it's got a row and a chai. Those are the Greek letters, and it has so much history and then in the middle, there's that thing there that it's an ichthus, it's a fish. So I, I took Greek, like in school, I had to. But I was thinking back to the Roman, the Roman, or the first century in Rome, and that takes us back there with the, that's what the, the R in the middle, like you're saying that's not an R, it's a P. Well, the P is actually says er, it's a row, it's called row in Greek. Just a little Greek lesson. I always have to teach, I, when I teach Sunday school, the kids always ask me, can we, can we learn another Greek word? So now you learned about, about two letters, the rho and the chai, but you know that the, the fish in Greek is an ichthus. Did, did you know that? Now you do. So just say that with me, ichthus. Ichthus. So it, each letter, it became an acronym uh, for the early Christians. Uh, it, it became an acronym and sort of a symbol so under Nero, it would have been pretty ugly because Nero would have been killing Christians. And so they would have had symbols that, and they would have had signs for the early church when it met together because that was kind of a dangerous thing in the first century under the Roman kingdom. But now you're looking at the X in the middle? That's a chai. And that's the first letter in the name Christos, in which we know as Jesus Christ, right? So they, that would have been a symbol for them. If they would have seen that, they would have known, hey, this is probably a, a Christian meeting place or something. But the fish, man, it just, I know that that was one of the main symbols, but I can't help but go back to think of the miracles that Jesus did with fish. And Peter, the one that just jumps out at me is Peter. You know, you think about that last time. Uh, after Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus is sitting on the beach, and he's broiling the fish. 
and, and, and Jesus, Jesus uh, comes to him and says, hey, Peter, you know what? Uh, or doesn't come to him. He's sitting on the beach. He says, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter had gone back to his, his old way of life. And so while we're singing, I'm looking at that and thinking, man, Peter, I, I get it. But anyway, your windows, they were supposed to do that kind of thing. And so, so they're beautiful. That one there just sort of jumps out at me. I don't know them all, but that one there, I just look at that. And those, that's where it came from. And we, with the Reformation, we threw everything out, maybe a bit too much. But that one there, you better keep that window there, okay? And so when I get boring, or your pastor gets boring, or whoever's preaching, you get to look over there and say, boy, I wonder what... Uh, did they eat fish all the time? And how many fish would it take to feed? Uh, for, you know, you, you just let your mind wander. I'll let you go. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, let me start. Let me start with the text that, you, that, that Johnny read for me. Uh, because uh, I just would like to make a couple comments before, before I get into my message, which is called the Septoback Life. So I'll just put that up there. Uh, so you, you'll, you should remember, and it shouldn't be bad. You know, the one thing I learned at school is um, we think that the illustrations are just illustrations, but it's not true. The illustration actually is the message. You'll forget everything I say this morning, but you'll remember. You'll, you'll remember the, the real message, which is, which is the septoback life. So <clears throat> in my introduction, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to... You might forget my introduction, but that's okay. It goes like this. <clears throat> Johnny read it, and it goes like this. Therefore, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appeared, you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, stop. Do you realize how absolutely strange that is? How difficult? Well, almost impossible. Come, come on. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. So all of the desires, all of your desires, all of your goals, everything is supposed to have to do with God now. And then he says, no, not, I'm not done there. He says, your mind, you know the stuff you think about? There, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's it. And I'm looking at the text, I'm going, Paul, what, what about the earthly stuff? What about, what about living here and now? And so my dad, actually, the one time came, came over, and he's, my dad was quite, is quite a bit like me, or maybe I'm quite a bit like him. And he laughed, and he said, you know what? He said, there was this guy, and I think it was a pastor, but I don't want to point, paint pastors in a bad light. He said, there's this pastor that said, um, you know, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. You, you, you hear that? You're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. But Paul actually would disagree with that. He said, that's actually not true. It can't happen. He said, you actually, you, the more heavenly-minded you actually are, the more, more earthly good you are. And I think the more we look at life through Jesus' eyes, the more we start to look, then we actually get his perspective. And as we turn our perspective and we take his perspective on and we look at stuff here, it changes. I think our, our, our perspective actually changes. I'm just going to stop right there with my, my introduction, and I'm going to get into the, the message, because how do we ever get this kind of a perspective? Like, this is a spirituality. Like, let's just be honest. That's way beyond anything. Like, I can't forget about Earth. 
I, I want to eat, I want to drink, I've got, a, I've got a 1981 Trans Am that used to be my brother's, dad bought, dad bought it brand new, and uh, both dad and my brother passed away, I got the Trans Am, it's sitting in the shop, it's a Saskatchewan car, and I'll be rebuilding it, and, and if I read the text, well God would say, or Paul would be saying, you know, don't think about that, no focus on that, and how about your career, and he's, oh no, no, you just fix your eyes, no. I think it gives us a different perspective on how to do life, okay? Good. There we go. Hey, how many of you, how many of you have, um, have weeping beds or septic systems? Anybody? Oh, there's a couple. Do you know what I mean? Like, some of you have lived in town, and when you flush your toilet or when you let water go down the drain, it just goes into, it goes into the... the the city system? How many of you have those kind of systems? Okay, some of you. Okay, well, we built, we, we built a house now, and I had to put in my own weep. Uh, I think that the words for those things are called weeping beds. Um, let me just, I, I have, I have they're, they're called weeping beds, leech fields, septic beds. And, and, how, and I need to explain to you how they work. Um, because this is something, like, we, we struggled a little bit with our, in our old place with that. What happens when, um, when you use your washroom and you, you know, you've got a great big, a great big septic tank. Do you know what I'm talking about when I talk about a septic tank? Okay, so that's about, there's regulations. It sits about 10 feet from your house. We had to do this for our new one, so I have a good idea how this works. Uh, I had a guy help me design it, but I put it in myself. So I, I, dug, I dug the hole, and, uh, and what it is, is you put in this great big cement tank that has two compartments, and it goes under, underground, and then off of that, I've got four rows of uh, a four-inch PVC. PVC or ABS? PVC, yeah, ABS is the black stuff, right? So, and it's, it's perforated, it's got those holes. So I've got four 100-foot lines that roll off of, off of there. So once this tank gets full, the first compartment gets full, it, uh, it goes off to the next compartment and so that the, the solids go down to the bottom and then your, your lighter liquids go up to the top and they go into the second compartment, okay? And so even there you have it happening too that the solids go down to the bottom and the liquids come to the top, and then they, once they're at the top in that second tank, then it goes out, and it goes out into this weeping field, this weeping bed, where it gets dissipated into your soil. Are you guys you with me, or going, yeah? Oh, oh, by the way, here's my disclaimer. I am not promoting this product this morning, and I'm not suggesting that you buy it. I don't even know whether it really works, but I'll tell you, it is, the, the illustration is, that, is how it works for our Christian life. And I don't want any of you ever going and taking this and said, Randy, we said that we need to take this and eat it. You know, don't tear open one of the packages and eat it later. Please, okay? There's my disclaimer. So I never promoted this product, okay? Good. So anyway, what happens is there's a, there's a philosophy out there that says every year you should get this guy to come with their big septic truck. And you, this is underground now, and you, you, you dig, you dig the, the holes open, and you pop open the lids, and he comes with this big truck, and he sucks out everything uh, that, that gets down there because, uh, because it's, uh, 
you know, those, those solids are at the bottom and you, you can never have them going out into your, into your weeping bed because it could plug it and it would, it would get ugly. But here's the problem with that kind of thinking. I go, no way. A healthy septic bed doesn't work that way. Those solids that go down there, there should be some kind of bacteria that you can put in that would allow it to actually um, dissipate. Uh, it, it, would, it, gets, it becomes liquid itself. You know, the stuff that you flush down goes down. It, get, it becomes liquid, and it should actually be able to go out. Actually, wouldn't, wouldn't it be actually good fertilizer or something? And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be thick. Now, the reason I know a lot about this stuff is when growing up on the farm, we had a pig barn. And we built this pig barn ourselves. And, uh, and we, went, we, we had a pumper, that, a wagon that we hooked up uh, to our tractor, PTO. And we would, every, every two weeks or so, we would hook it up. And uh, our pig barn was only, it wasn't a big one. We, we only handled like 300 hogs. So, it, you know, it's one of these small farmers who does a lot of different things. But anyway, Dad liked pigs, and so we did pigs. So we only had like 300 at a time or so. But anyway, you, all, the, all the manure, the crap, would slope down and run into these big pits along the side. And once they got full, you have to pump it out, right? You, you can't let it... You pump it out, and then you spread it out onto the field. The only thing is, so often, that stuff was so solid and so thick, there's no way our pumper could pump it out. So dad went and bought a five-gallon pail, and it was called pit run. So if you're ever into hogs, you, you buy pit run. And it, it's, this stuff's amazing. So it's just a chemical, and you dip one cup. And so our pig barn, what would it have been? Maybe 100, 150 feet long. And you got a, a pit on each side running like this. And uh, our, our pens, pig pens, would run this way. But you dump one cup in there. You wait for about an hour. And I tell you, that was it runs this like water. You, you should you, anybody who's into pigs, you know, like you, your pit run. You put it in, and and then then we would back up with our, our pumper, and it would suck it out and out onto the field. No, it was great. I'm going okay. Well, why can't we do that with with our septic beds? The only thing is, this stuff here in our septic tanks. <clears throat> We put, this comes with uh, th this box here. It says here it's convenient, it's pre-measured, it's easy to use. So what this is is something like that, but it's, it's, it's actually a bacteria. So you, you open it up, and every, every month you're supposed to take a package like this, you rip it open, you put it into your toilet, you flush it down, and it just works. Like, it goes down, and actually it's a bacteria that starts eating away and it, you, you never see this stuff because, you know, it's all underground, right? You're wondering, what is he doing? What is he telling this stuff for? I've talked about the septic, septoback life. Now, here's the thing. As we've read this spirituality from the Apostle Paul, and we've said, my goodness, he set a standard that is so out there that we come to church, we read about the standard for spirituality as setting our hearts and our minds on things above and not on earthly things. And it's, it's almost so far out there that, that we walk away and we go, you know, I can't do that, sorry. Like, I just could never measure up to those kind of standards. How can I actually become the, a, a person of Jesus and, and growing in Jesus? But if you listen to Paul, he says... 
Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. Set your, set your mind on things above, first of all, then your, your heart. Because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now he gives us his first list. But if you're listening to this, and you say, well, I asked Jesus into my heart, and then I go back and I just do life the way I want. He says, no, no, you and me. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he gives us his first list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And then he says, because of this, the wrath of God is coming. And we're going, this is interesting. Put to death, therefore. I have, and here's his first list. And I would tell you this, that every sin that we will ever commit, I think, falls under the category of, every one, of, of one of those. Every sin that we'll ever commit, you got those categories, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Evil de- Can you see how big of a, a wide of an umbrella evil desires is? And, but it's, it's so broad that, you know, it's, it's kind of good that he did that, then we don't have to think about what we do, you know. Thank you, Paul. I really don't see where my sin actually fits into this. But it's sort of like our septic bed. You know, if Paul is right, he wrote this in Romans 3.23. He said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you are like me then, at least somewhere deep down inside, there's... Can you say crap in church? I... Okay, so, so I just did. I just So like if we're just honest about, about who we really are, there's stuff in our life that's just kind of ugly and it's down there and you know... And we maybe are good at hiding it, or maybe it never comes to the surface. Maybe it's just, it's just there. And we need something to help us with this, because the first, my first point would obviously be, I'm sorry, but if you're trying to live this Christian life as being a good person, there's lots of people trying to do that, and we can't do it. Like, you look at the list. Greed. You know what greed is? I just want a little bit more. And I, how bad is that? That can't be bad. And, but what it does is, as it continues to per, percolate down there, without anything to, to dissipate it, separate it, and get it out of our system, like, if it just sits there, what, we become, maybe, maybe we just become uglier and uglier people. We say, but it's down there, I don't notice it, you don't notice it. It, it may stink sometimes, but what the world? Like, that's, I can, I can deal with this. No, we need something that we ingest, that we put in on a regular basis to work with this stuff and to help us. I'm not suggesting that this is going to do it, but I'm saying that this is how life really works. We need it. Let me see where I can, where I am here. Yeah, so I said that. But the funny thing is, is Paul said this in Romans 3. He said, you are called to get rid of it. And so this isn't a self-help or self-improvement. I'm not suggesting that. You know, if you just work harder at it, you can do that. And this isn't also one of those big seminars that you go to a, a, a men's conference or a women's conference where you feel like it's really good. And it's, that's like one of those septic trucks coming in and one big suck out, and, you know, and everything's gone. And I just feel good. You, I come back from, uh, let me see, a women of faith conference or a men of... Promise keepers. Oh, yeah, this was so good. I love you. I'm such a good guy. And the next week, oh, are you kidding me? I'm back to being, if I'm real, this is who I really am. Shoot. Unseen, at the bottom of our tanks, floating around in our lives, sometimes unnoticed, there's garbage. We can't get rid of it. We can't. 
there are, here's what I wrote. There are non-Christians who are really nice people who do a lot of good things, but they're like us, totally unable to get rid of all the garbage in their lives. And then I don't like this. I don't like how we handle the Bible when we do this. When Jesus and Paul give us these impossible things, like you think about that, those first verses, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Okay, just, just do it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You once lived, you, you, you once walked in these ways in the life you used to live. Now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. List number two. Paul, and here now he goes to just emotions. What? Anger, rage, malice, slander. And then he says, filthy language from your lips. Like, are you serious? Now the attitudes of my heart actually are starting to bubble out, right? The attitudes, it's not even just my actions before. Now it's my attitudes that I'm supposed to work on. Paul, come on. Like, this is a total, I, and there's no way, I'm sorry. There's a spiritual level that's up here that we're just done with. Can't, can't, we can't accomplish. So what we do with Paul, then, is we redefine this message. We say, oh, by the way, that's not really what he meant. He, he didn't really mean that when he really did. Try some of these others. We don't, you know, how, how do we redefine Jesus to make it so that it fits us, not we re redefine our lives so that it fits Jesus? Try this one. It says this, Matthew twenty two thirty six through 40. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. But he doesn't, Jesus isn't done there. He gives, on, he gives his famous Matthew 5 quotes. He says, you have heard that it was said, do good to those who love you. He said, I tell you this, do good to those who persecute you. He said, love your enemies. Maybe you're different than me. But maybe you go, I can do this. I have no problem. Those guys who are my enemies... You know why they're my enemies? Because, because we have a problem. And I don't love them. Oh, here, let me, here's the, listen, you don't have to love your enemy. You have to love your enemies. You just don't have to like them. Ever heard that? No, that doesn't work. Jesus, you know what? So we try to downs, if we just, if we just minimize Jesus a little bit, we just don't really like when he gives us these, these things that are just too hard. So we need something to ingest to take into us because, because there's something inside of us that needs it and we can't do it ourselves. So I, I, I would suggest to you, I would suggest to you that what we need to do, first of all, is we need the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I think, I think that's part of this. There, he must be part of the bacteria that we, we ingest into us that, that helps us helps us. He never, ever works alone. He always works together with a willing, a willing partner. So the first thing in that whole thing is, that whole, the first thing in, is, is asking the Holy Spirit in, but then also you have, what the, the problem with that is, is we have to recognize with him what's wrong. We, we, can't, we can't say, okay, you know, I got the Holy Spirit working in me, I'm good to go now. It's like, no, he's actually, he's actually pointing out some of the garbage that's there and saying, hey, we need, and we go, you leave that alone, Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. That's part of, I've sort of kept that sin for myself. Don't touch. And he goes, 
I get it, I get it, but this is kind of ugly down here, I just want you to know. And he actually has those kind of conversations if you're, if you're list, willing to listen. You know, I think sin, <clears throat> sin is, is quite an interesting thing. Satan was really smart with it because we don't realize that, that in engaging it, we, we kind of think that it, it won't affect us too much. And I was listening to a novel, and I'm not going to tell you the novel's name because, uh, because I do not want you to go listening to it, and I don't, uh, reading it, I don't want you, there was a movie made on it, I don't, because it's bad, it's really, it's, re, it's really dark. But, it's, but what happens in it is there's, there's this kid, he's 13 years old, and he's been taking about the Holocaust, uh, uh, the Second World War, you know, what the Germans did to the, the, the Germans did to the, the Jews. And he, he, this 13-year-old kid was taking this in school, and he became very interested because, uh, because I guess this was in the 70s, He'd been taking this in school, and he, he, he wanted to become some kind of an investigative journalist. Strange thing is, is this kid found one of these Nazis living on his street in the U.S., and he, 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 had, he recognized it. And this 13-year-old kid got a, got a kit from his mom and dad, a fingerprinting kit. So before he did, he started following this guy because he thought he was one of these butchers of... of, of uh, it was one of these butchers in, in uh, the Nazis that, who killed, who was the head of one of these camps. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm sorry. Okay, some of you do. So, so there, were, there were places where they, they killed Jews, like there was some, um, they used uh, gas, they, they used some really, really bad stuff. What they did to the Jews was just horrible. But this 13-year-old kid had a fetish, or a, he had a real, a, he wanted to find out more about it from a first person, but when, because when he found this guy, he, he, he did a fingerprint off of his door, he took it, and he followed him around, and he said, I checked the photos, you are him. He came to the door, and the guy he said, no, no, not me, not me, and he said, I've got you. And finally, the German, because the German was going to uh, call the police on him, because the boy was, you know, sort of bugging him, but then he couldn't, because if he did, then he gets found out. But, so the boy actually had him. But the boy wouldn't call the police. What he did is he started going visiting him every day. And he says, I want to know how you did this. I want to know what you did. And how the story goes is the kid doesn't realize, but people realize there's something wrong here because the kid starts becoming darker and darker. And in the end of the book, the kid becomes very much like this butcher. I, don't, I think that's what sin is like. You know, we, we sort of engage it, but we don't see what's happening, and it takes us down a bad path. We don't even realize it, but it infects us. And Paul is saying, listen, you need something to ingest to take in to see how it's going to, how you can get this out. So the first element is the Holy Spirit. We ask Jesus into our lives. He comes in when invited. He works inside us uh, when we partner with him. Here's what Romans 8.12 says. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So when we ask Jesus into our hearts, first of all, we're injected with the Holy Spirit. He comes in, and he works like Septoback, but he doesn't work alone. He doesn't pump out all our sin. He doesn't wave his magic wand, and we're good to go. He's that voice of a reminder, that voice of encouragement that says who we really are. And you'll find that in Romans 8, too. He'll say to you, listen, you're actually 
my kid. You're actually my, you're, you're a child of God. And it should be really encouraging. So we have that first part. We know how to ask Jesus in or become Jesus followers because we believe that he exists and that he died and we act on it. And then we put that into practice every day. So the second element I want to give to you is after having asked the Holy Spirit of working with these lists is it says in, in, in the text that, that I heard Johnny read, it says something like this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, I love that term because that tells me it's sort of like opening up one of these and it dumps it in and it just goes to work. It just, it just permeates your, your being. You're saying, well, that's what it does? Yeah, because you and I know that we can't get rid of this stuff by ourselves. And we know that we ask the Holy Spirit, we work together with him. But how, how does it go? How, how does it work? You know, do we, as we engage sin, does it continue to permeate or does it continue to make us worse people? And Paul says, listen, listen, listen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's, it's straight out of, if you don't believe me, it's in, in Colossians chapter 3. I don't remember which verse it is, but I could, I could quote it for you like I just did. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It comes just before he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. But so we're dealing with this one first. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Actually, he says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you, as you teach and admonish one another. You're all pastors. Kevin and Emily might be gone, Bills. You're all pastors as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing songs, hymns, spiritual songs, giving thanks to God. Okay, that's how the text actually goes. We need to take a packet every day, actually, of God's word and say, listen, I need something here, God. I need a word from you, and I need something that's going to roll around inside of me and dissipate some of this garbage. And it works all by its... I don't, you might say, Randy, how does it exactly work? Well, you know what? A, I don't understand bacteria very well, but I also don't understand exactly how Scripture rolling around inside me works either. But I do notice that it just pops out. It, you, you find it, all of a sudden you're going, huh, I wonder where that came from. Oh, I wonder where that came Because you've, you've sort of started to inject scripture into yourself. You're saying, well, how do you do that? Let me tell you that. I'll give, you, I'll give it to you, really. I think it started for me. The, like, and I'm not telling you, to, like, there's all kinds of disciplines you can think theologically. That's one of my fun disciplines. I love the, theology. I actually sit on the, the pastoral examination committee. I have till now, anyway, the pastoral examination committee for the conference, because if you think different theologically from me, uh, I, I'm sort of in line with what the conference, the conference believes, so uh, then I'm on that examination committee, and I love to find out where do, yeah, where, where do we differ, because I'm a little bit of a competitive guy, I don't mind fighting, and I went to school, so I have some tools to fight theologically, so let's go, baby. No, no. that's not how we use it. We need God's word, Paul says, to dwell in you richly. And how does that work? Oh, way better than this discipline. You know, put, put theology to the side. You need scripture. So here we have something that we inject into us. How do you do it? Like I said, I think the first time it ever happened to... I was in school, and there was a, there was a verse that came out of Isaiah chapter 31. Uh, or was it in chapter 30? But here's how it goes. 
It just, it just blew me away. Just one verse, all by itself. I'm not talking, don't try to categorize it and don't try to put it into context. I could tell you the context, but it said there, in, it said in Isaiah, he says, in rest, no, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And you know, I, I can, the reason I, I like that one so much is also I'm going, hold it. In repentance and rest is my salvation. And so it, are you kidding? Like that, and then I would repeat it. In repentance and rest is my salvation. In repentance and rest is my salvation. And then I start to have a conversation with God during the day. God, so I got to tell you I'm sorry. And I don't have to do anything. And like I can actually take life a little bit easier. And it just keeps going and going. And you don't say it over once. And I'm not talking about bare mem memorization where you memorize it and it's just words. It's, it's something that actually starts to permeate. And, and Israel didn't get it at the time because the context is, the, the context of Isaiah is there. God said to them, listen, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And if you read further, you're going to say to me, Randy, they didn't listen. They took off. They got on horses and they were going to flee to Egypt and they were going to, and they didn't listen. And I said, I know, I know, but this was God's advice and I need this into my life. And repentance and rest is your salvation. And so you, you, that's going to take me a lifetime. So if, if at nighttime, at nighttime when I, I can't sleep, in repentance and rest is my salvation. Quietness and trust is my strength. There's so much there. I, you, you, you can have messages for the next month, next year on that. In repentance and rest, in quietness and trust. That's from you, God? Absolutely. And it just starts to roll around. Now, I like memorization. I, I do. It's a good discipline. And I think this Colossians passage, uh, if you had wanted, I could have I told you because I've memorized Colossians 3, 1 through 17. But the problem is, is it didn't stay there. That's the one of the passages, if I can't sleep in the middle of the night, you know what I'm reciting? I'm reciting the Lord's Prayer, which is such a good one. I love the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who are... You all know it. Why don't you... When, 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 your, when your mind needs to turn to something, why not to the Lord's Prayer? You're my Father. You're our Father. Corporate. And you want your kingdom to come. Really. How come it doesn't look like it's coming very well, God? What's going... You know, can you see... Like, your mind doesn't stop. You're, you're having a conversation, not with yourself, with God. How hard is that? But it's like this septoback. It's got in there somehow, and it's sitting in the bottom, and it's actually dissipating. I don't know how, but it does that. God, do you know what this guy did? And he goes, you know what? Love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Despitefully use me? He says, yeah. Did you not watch my life? I died for you. And then I came back, because I'm also a competitor like you, and I came back to... Offer forgiveness, not revenge. God, are you kidding me? And it, this stuff starts to roll around in you. And it's down there, and all of a sudden, there's a little piece here that gets dissipated, or, or some, something happens. I don't know how it works. You say, Randy, you're supposed to be a theologian, and you don't. No, I don't know exactly how God works all the time. He's actually God, and I'm man, and that bridge just, or that gap just doesn't seem to get bridged. I'll never be, I'll never be him, but I, I know his word and how it goes in us. The, another passage that really has all of a sudden just gotten good to me, and I'm listening to uh, a Dr. Kenneth Bailey, 
Uh, he's got a book on, um, he's passed away now, but he's got a book on, uh, it's, one is called Jesus Through the Eyes of the Middle East. So he was actually a professor back in Lebanon. He, he lived in Lebanon, uh, late 70s, er, no, early 70s into the 80s. And so he was there through a lot of turmoil and real bad time. And it, Lebanon's not that far from Jerusalem, so he knows the Middle Eastern culture. So he's got, he, and he is, he is just good. And um, so I was listening to that, but he has a book on the Lord is my shepherd. Don't, don't listen to it. It's dry as dust. It's really, it, you'll, you'll, you'll bore yourself silly, but it, there's some stuff there that he gives some good perspective on it. But if you've memorized it, you can, you can or memorize it, or if you look at it, the Lord is my shepherd, and what does that look like? And you start having a conversation with yourself. And God, actually, that's not my culture. I was a farmer. I understand about cattle, and I understand about pigs. I understand about driving tractor, but shepherds, that's a Middle Eastern. That's different. But So I need a little bit of help. I need a little bit of cultural context with this. And... And I won't need anything. I shall not want. And you lead me beside quiet waters. You, lead, you make me lie down in green pastures. Like, if quietness and trust isn't there, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's permeating. It actually starts to do something inside of us. Now, what I've been telling you about actually is meditation. You notice it's a little bit different I think especially us Anabaptists or us Mennonites, when we hear meditation, we think of transcendental meditation and we've got our guard up a mile high saying, those guys in their meditation, are you kidding me? But did you not read Psalm 1? Did you not read David and how the Bible actually tells us to continually meditate? Looks like Psalm 1. Um, uh, I will delight in the law of the Lord on his word. I will meditate day and night. And then he says, like a tree firmly planted, I will be grounded in the word like what i'm telling you is just something that sounds like meditation but it's actually filling your mind not emptying it right there's a huge difference i don't empty my mind for for anybody like I don't, i'm not allowing just everything and anything to get in i'm actually allowing scripture let the word of christ dwell in you richly is what paul said i think i'm telling you that okay Here's another one for you. This is this Glor pointed this one out to me. I love this because I need I need to know that God likes me. I, I really do. And it's hard for me to understand that because sometimes we are not the nicest people. There are people who are really nice. And some of us may have a struggle with that. Some people are just genetically nicer than the than others, right? You know what I mean, right? They just seem to have no problem being kind and gentle and nice. And some of us are going what is wrong with you? Like, how did you get that? I'd like to be like that. I'd, I'd like to be less confrontational. I'd like to be less... And God says, listen, I can help you. I've made them like them. I'll make you. But we, we can work on, on how you actually use your gifts and talents for my kingdom. So Zephaniah 3.17 goes like this. I love this one. The Lord your God is with you. You know, you can... There's, there's one for you. Just to stay there... There's so much, there's way too much here in, in a message, of course. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. And here's the one that just floors me. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. 
You know what? That's way too much. All you need is just one. He will rejoice over you with singing. What? The God of the universe who created this, who actually wants to dwell within me, he, he sings and dances when he says, I made Randy, ah. I'm going, you love me that much? And he goes, yes, I do. And he says that for every one of you. He does. He sings and rejoices over you. Does that not do something to you? I hope it does. Because we, sometimes I just don't, I go, do I deserve, are you kidding? Do I deserve it? I know what I deserve. <laughs> My dad, you know, sometimes I need a, a good kick in the pants is what I deserve. Or maybe you guys never did. You guys are just good kids. I'm still 21, so my dad, no, I'm just kidding. It feels like it. I go, yeah, I need to grow up in some of these areas. These people just bug me, and they, and he's, listen, I love you so much. You do? No, just, I'll get, you love me? I need to, I, I don't want, you don't love that about me. So I think I better put some more septo back in, right? You see it? I, I, God, I need, if that's the case, if you do love me like that, you he says, it, it he says it, it doesn't matter, but it matters. Like, I think your parents would have said that too. You know, you didn't do the chores. Listen, let's, let's do it, but I don't know. Maybe you didn't grow up on a farm. Okay. Anyway, maybe you did. I, how do I? Mennonites sometimes did. Like some of us were farmers. That was one of our, our places of pride. You know, the other thing, <clears throat> let me just give you one more thing here. Uh, that he said in Colossians chapter three. By the way, I, I never touched on, I never touched on his third list. Did you ever know? Did you see that? He said the, the first list was put to death whatever belongs to earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Second list was here's you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Now you must rid yourself of all such things as these emotions, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your list, lips list. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its evil desires and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. And here there is no, anyway, it goes on. But then he says, listen, here's the list. Here's what you need to put on, okay? Now he says, clothe yourselves with, third list, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Do you know how many of those I have to work? I mean, oh, God. Paul, are you kidding? Yeah, he's not kidding. That's why I like the Bible. It's actually quite practical and real. It actually works in real life. Um, the rule of peace. He says, therefore, I told you the first one. I said, and actually I switched the order down, right? around, right. I said, the first part of Septa, or the, the Holy Spirit, and then I said, Scripture, let the, let the Word of God dwell in you richly, but before that, he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Rule. It's a rule. You know what a rule is, right? Did you ever have a rule? Your parents make a rule for you guys? Can't come home here. You can't. You, you come home at this time or, or before. And if you don't, you know what happens. Or, I don't know, you, you do this. and If you don't do this, here's what happens. You know the rules. And Paul gives us a rule. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. In a world, in a world around us that is so, I love the German word here. You've got to love this. This is one of the best. Like, seriously, the German word is abgerecht, 
right? It sounds exactly, it's, it's, it's phonetically so good, apirecht. Everything is in turmoil, you know? We have, <laughs> everything's in turmoil. I was, I gotta tell you the story. I was listening, I was trying to fix my phone with TELUS. And uh, I get on with TELUS, and, it, and, and first of all, you get this recorded message, and it says, we can eliminate bullying. And I'm looking, I'm like, you gotta be, you're kidding me, right? Have you, did, have you, have you seen what's happening in Russia and in Ukraine right now? Uh, how about in Syria? Uh, how about Afghanistan? Uh, how about in our schools? <laughs> Maybe we, we do a little jingle, we can get rid of bullying. Do, do, do. Are you joking me? Do you not know the human condition? We, Paul was right, we have this inside. Help us get rid of bullying. Right. You know, how long have we been working on this? The, the racism, is, are you kidding? Jesus said this, here's the problem. He says, the problem is not external to you. He said, the, the problem is internal inside of you. If you take nothing else home, think about Septoback, and there's something wrong inside. Jesus, his philosophy was, you know what, and everybody came to him with external problems, and he said, oh, by the way, oh, they said, Rome's the problem, the country, the rulers, like, and we do that too, right? We have Trudeau, are you kidding? And I see, the, you know, are you, and, and Jesus would say to you this, he says, no, you know where the major problem is? He says, it's you, it's inside of you. And, you know, they came to Jesus and said, listen, we got to pay taxes, do we pay taxes to Rome? And Jesus said, you know what? The problem is you. You're going to fix the world's problems? Oh, the, pro the problem is in the U.S. and their government. And the No. He said, the problem is you work on what's inside. Are you kidding? And we're going, Jesus, I don't like you. I'm going to we don't like Jesus sometimes. We don't like some of his teaching. But he said the problem is internal. And he says, internally, you need my peace. You need the peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Jesus gives us lots of clues about how that looks. He said this. The peace that happens inside of us has external implications. Just like sin coming inside has internal implications, having peace has external implications. How you start to deal with your spouse, how you start to deal with your friends, if peace is something that's rolling around inside, then we start to, you know, that person's having this and then I just say, you know, God, I'm usually supposed to be the one who, who says something here, but I think I'm going to actually shut my mouth for once. And that would be a miracle, right? <laughs> you know, boy. But look at, look at the clues that Jesus gives us about how the peace works. Look, in the story of Mary and Martha in, in Luke chapter 10, those of you who don't like this, but Jesus uses a woman to teach us. Martha is the one who's in the world and she's being the hostess. She's doing all the right things. And she was getting the meal ready like a good Mennonite would do. And then Mary makes a decision to sit at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, this was the one thing that was needed, needed to sit here and do nothing but except be in my presence. You guys sang songs like that. And I'm like, Jesus, I need that. I need that peace because when I, when I look at your perspective, like I said, on the world, I get worked up. I, and I want these people with some of these ideas, like, let's get your idea right. And Jesus said, you know what? If you want to get the idea right, you get peace happening in your heart. And then you watch it come out. It's like another piece of septoback working inside of there. I don't know how it works, but it does. And it's like God's word work rolling around in there. How it works, I don't know, but it does. And it comes out. I would encourage you this morning. I'll quit right there. 
Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. We need that time to slow down and take a and, and, and let God's word permeate and let his peace permeate inside us. Yeah, I don't have all the answers for you, I'm sorry, but I know that we need an injection of something to work that stuff that's down there and to get it out. We need Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his word. And I didn't say to you, you know, spend two hours in devotions. You know, take one little piece, one little piece, and just think about it and let it roll around. The Lord your God is with you. He will quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with his singing. We need his presence. We need his work. We need it. Let's pray. Jesus, as you have uh, left us your word, the stuff that dwells in us richly, I pray that we would let it do that work that it's supposed to do. And your peace, Lord, in a world that's, that's opirecht and full of turmoil and, and, and trouble and difficulty, may your peace be the rule in our lives that leads us to a life that looks like what yours would have looked like, that we would have your perspective. In your name we pray, amen.